up nerds thank you for tuning in to another episode of the nerds who live podcast today we're in full force my training partner best buddy and co-host jordan bryson also known as jb lifts on the instas is in studio with us he had been deep in prep when the other shows were going on and then he competed at the uspa raw nationals this past week in which he took second in an awesome dogfight and we're going to talk about that a little bit today. So it's your first time getting to hear him, and he will be on much more regularly now that he's into his off season. So you guys get to meet Jay. So Jay, you know, introduce yourself. Tell people how you got started lifting, and uh, yeah, right on. Give the people what they want. Yeah, <laughs> I'll try. I'll do my best. Yeah. So what's up, guys? Um, Jordan Bryson, um, JB Lifts underscore on Instagram. Uh, my buddy Nick was kind enough to have me on his podcast. Like he said, I was pretty deep into prep going for nationals, so that had me really busy and tied down. But Nick kicked off his podcast, and uh, I was like, yo, I'd love to help you however I can on that. And so he decided to bring me in today. Um, Post-Nats, yeah, it was fun. But before that, yeah, I guess I'll get into how I got into lifting um, sort of kind of all started like in high school, I think kind of like for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, I was like wrestling and played football and stuff. So we always had like zero period and seventh period in the weight room and shit like that. Um, so I kind of was like always into training, but never was powerlifting, but I didn't know what I was doing the whole time. Anyways, it was just whatever the coach told us pretty much. Um, Never really took it serious. And then after that, just never trained again, pretty much. And then kind of like went through a couple years of, you know, some bad times and um, some made some serious life changes just to, you know, make a quick story. But ended up getting around some people that were like doing prison style workouts and these dudes were jacked and. And doing 100 burpees in the backyard and, and, you know, got some pig iron and shit. So I kind of sort of started off like that. And um, I was like, yo, these guys are jacked. Like, everybody shows these guys respect. Like, you know, it must feel good, like, to, to, to look like that and to, you know, have that presence and everything. So really, <laughs> I got some shitty rusty old pig iron bar with like 150 pounds of weight <laughs> those backyard yeah straight backyard up, straight up backyard workout bro like um out every day after work i was um aroused about in the oil fields at the time so i was working i was only working eight and i couldn't afford a gym membership so every day after work um i'd come home and do the same routine every day would do like 100 straight bar curls um i pulled out a chair out of my kitchen and would do dips on that and then chair dips. yeah and then uh, i had a beam in my garage i jump up and do wide grip pull-ups and then do some push-ups and i'll do that like every day and then started getting like more quote technical with it and started like downloading apps for yeah. these like home workouts to follow i've seen that i yeah. remember those back in the day yeah yeah 
right? So then, um, and then they opened at Anytime Fitness. I was like pretty close to my house. So finally got a gym membership there. Started training there, met a couple really good people like Randy, who's still one of our regular training partners, met him there. What up, Randy? Yeah, what up, Savage? Um, we linked up through another friend of ours, Mario. Randy is also our barber. He yeah. keeps us fresh and crispy. Always with those Fresh Cut Fridays. Um, and then to jump into like, so we started, well, I was following like C.T. Fletcher really heavily on YouTube and so we're always watching him and stuff like that. And then he opened up his gym for workout Wednesdays to the public. Whoever wanted to come down, come down and train. And we went down there one day and started training with everybody and like kind of hit it off. And one day I pulled, I deadlifted 500 pounds on a stiff bar. Um, Which is hard as fuck. <laughs> yeah. At, yeah. In the middle of like a gnarly workout with all these super Jack dudes, you know, and filming for YouTube and all this stuff. So yeah, I pulled 500 on a stiff bar at like 160. Um, and uh, Bulo, which is like CT's right hand man, pretty much took me under his wing and was like, yo, like you're pretty damn strong. So I went home and thought about it and I was like, uh, is there like a, a competition where I can just do deadlift? And he's like, yeah, yeah. deadlift only. Deadlift <laughs> like, only powerlifting. Oh, okay. And before I had just had this like really bad uh, image of powerlifters, you know, like I never yeah. really wanted to be this like fat, overweight guy, even though genetically I'm very skinny. But I just always had that image of that's what I would look like. Yeah, yeah, because everyone, when they do, if they know about powerlifting, they think about the super heavyweight equipped lifters who are really massive guys. Um, you know, and obviously there's more weight divisions than that. And, you know, it's kind of an old days. Um, but powerlifting is definitely more than that. And even even these days it's, it is becoming a lot more, uh, athletic. Like people are like, you know, it's starting to be, it's starting to become more strict in a sense of just how weightlifting athletes take their, you know, their craft seriously. Powerlifters are now finding, you know, you you are, if you're a well-rounded athlete, you will be stronger. Yeah, Um, absolutely. Yeah. And then just so for reference, uh, Jay is about know, five ten, five nine. Yeah. So 5'9", then when he pulled that four hundred at one sixty, that's over three times his body weight. Yeah, uh, five, yeah. Thank you. The five hundred, you know, you pull a five hundred on a stiff bar, which is harder. At one sixty, about five, you know, five nine, five eight, and that's over three times body weight, which is really gnarly, uh, especially if you're not formally training for that and just to like pull it. Yeah, yeah, and, and like sloppy technique, like yeah, no, no technique, just so you know, yeah. just to like muscle it out. Uh-huh. And being naturally skinny is hard, and that is that's Jay's bread and butter. That's how he, you know, he took his uh, the second in the dog fight that he just had. He's he's a monster puller. Yeah, uh, sure, and uh, so it's is pretty cool. And um, yeah, I li- I linked up with Jay when I started powerlifting. I was mostly training on my own for a while, and then I was like, you know. I needed to find somewhere that I could train and, and, uh, I knew that there was a powerlifting gym. There's only one here where we live in Ventura, which is KO gym. And, uh, which ironically actually before it was KO was the gym where I actually learned all the major lifts first when I was younger. When I first learned to lift, I had a, my dad's buddy took me to the old gym that used to be there. Body temple back then? I think it was body temple. Yeah. yeah. And he took, and so he took me and he taught me how to squat bench and deadlift. Mm-hmm. 
and so that was my the, where I first learned all those in the same original building before KO. And then you go full circle <laughs> and start piloting there. Cool. Yeah, it's really cool. And uh, and yeah, and then I kind of we found Jay is you know one of the guys on the instas who goes there and follow, follow, start following each other and we're the same age and same body weight. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we just kind of linked up and we became tra- training partners. And uh, it's just you know it's been that uh, that match that match made in, in iron. Yeah, yeah it's been that brotherhood ever since. Yeah, I remember I was I was watching all your stuff and I was like, yo, like you like really have the potential to do good you just need all the tools to do your job yeah and i was like why don't like come over to kale like come check it out like we got everything you need yeah and so i was like all right down you know yeah. and i went in we, we worked we, we did the training session together i just got like a day pass and we had a one of the i had one of the best training sessions i had in a hot minute and then i think the very next week i just went and uh, yeah. signed up yeah. i was just like all right done the <laughs> yeah, next time done deal, yeah. done, done deal. like that was the, a wrap yeah that was wrap and i just you know i was like i was like give me the two-year contract and <laughs> i'm gonna be here i don't give a shit and uh and it was like there from you know from there and then everyone there is awesome so shout yeah, out cool. to our gym if you guys we actually just moved that powerlifting moved into a much bigger location it's, it was r- notoriously known for being very small and yeah. now it's in a huge spot yeah. in downtown oxnard california the next town over and it's pretty dope so yeah our previous location was about six thousand square feet and this new one is 10. yeah yeah so it just it just opened up so much potential for the gym now yeah it's so nice and it's just really refreshing lots of windows before it was just a dungeon there's no windows yeah and um good lighting, good lighting. you you get those angles you can out angle everybody and uh so yeah so if you if you end up being in our neck of the woods in california you come and live with us because it's old school you know larry the owner is old school he's been powerlifting since the 70s 80s yeah. and um yeah we're a uspa jam we have run four meets a year two of which this year will be drug tested um so if anybody's looking for something like that um we have good meets we have good um we have a lot of good refs that come out we have a lot of people that come from all over people come from san diego san francisco yeah um yeah some of the best refs that are in the uspa in my opinion will judge our meets so it's very much set to standard as you would on you know nationals or something and we have good spotters. Yeah, we have great spotters. So between yeah. like me, uh, one of the guys at uh, the gym, Roy, a couple of the other guys, like you know, we we spot each other in the gym. So you know, when we do spotting, loading, we're you know we're all on point. Uh, JB is a USPA ref. He's an official ref also. So you come train with us. Best believe he'll tell you if you're high. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he'll be like, it ain't, like, it ain't uh, depth. Yeah. It ain't depth. Do it again. Yeah, pause um, your bench. Pause your bench. <laughs> And Jordan's notorious for taking naps in his bench reps. So <laughs> he'll just, just pause yeah, that pause, shit. Right. Just pause. And, and uh, so it's good. So we got a good spot. And we um, got a good, good lifting community that's starting to grow. Yeah, very much so. And then hopefully with this show and you know, sharing information and just, you know, talking with people, even though, you know, we do cover a lot of powerlifting because it's what we do. But, you know, we are fitness addicts as a whole. Yeah. So, you know, we will cover and talk to people who aren't just powerlifters, uh, maybe some weightlifters, and, you know, maybe we could find some others eventually. Mm-hmm. And uh, just a, talk about that. There's that strongman gym in T.O. too. Oh, I didn't know yeah. that. That would be dope. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, 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 strongman is great. So hopefully we can, you know, get some of those guys. 
Um, but moving in for today, uh, as I said, Jordan had took second in the USP Nationals in the 83 kilo division, which is a stacked division of strong dudes. And it was a dog fight for second. And I watched it live. And it was a very strategic way that he was able to secure that second with our coach. We go through the same coach, Mr. Scott Miller, out of the Stronghouse Gym. For your meet, yeah. we we went and trained with Scott about, I think it was like eight weeks from your meet, about two yeah. months from your meet, yeah. which was about a month away from mine when yeah. I had mine. And Scott had put into uh, Jordan's head about you know going into the meet lighter. Obviously, and if you don't know powerlifting, your weight that you weigh in and weigh in on also determines your Wilk score, which is a formula that they use to score you uh, regardless, you know, it's a way to equalize everybody and you get a score, how much weight you lift to the weight you weigh in at and all that good stuff. And it's gender neutral. So it's a way also to equalize men and women. So he put it into his head about weighing in lighter. And so... And and so and so for the eight weeks leading into Jay's mate, he started to he was like, all right, I'm gonna, I mean, I'm gonna cut down a little bit, you know, in the middle, which is hard in the middle of prep, um, and because you got to start lifting heavier for much heavier doubles and singles, yeah, and but still maintain that. Yeah, yeah, it was like basically doing the opposite of what you should be doing, <laughs> but I kind of do that shit, and I like to challenge myself and. Yeah, like I knew the Wilkes was going to be a big coefficient, especially for something like Nationals, um, where it's going to come into play. Um, I've always been a very strategic lifter, even when I didn't have a coach. Like, Nick, you've been at meets with me when you've handled me, and or like you and Eli handled me that, that yeah. one time, for example. And we've all like always usually made very strategic calls based on how the weight's moving and never really made a bad call from that. But I was always, I always hated cutting weight. Like I'll tell you straight up, I fucking hate cutting weight. I would much rather prefer to walk in on a normal day, on a healthy day, you know, but it was national. So I was like going to have to bite the bullet a little bit. And yeah, me and Scott talked and, you know, so the Wilkes thing was in my head, started eating cleaner and, really tracking my macros and um, watching what I was eating, when I was eating, things like that. And so, yeah, like eight weeks out, I started just really like slowly dropping weight. It wasn't trying to be a drastic thing. I was trying to, you know, slowly drop over time. And then, uh, yeah, like so when I landed in Ohio, I was still heavy because – like three weeks out or two weeks out or something, all the the lack of calories, and then we moved the whole gym. Yeah, and, we did our gym move. And which yeah, was really which was rough. rough. And then like like some personal things, like my grandma passed away and some other crap. So it was like it was rough going through the last couple of weeks of prep on such a deficit. And so my training was starting to reflect that and it wasn't going as good as it should have and that's yeah and that's when me and um scott was like just eat normal like you know finish this and then we could cut water or whatever we have to do so i was like all right thank god yeah (laughs) and then i started eating normal again and then sure enough you know training went right back to how it should be yep and then when i landed in ohio um again i was still watching what i was eating i was I was, but I was heavy. I blew back up. I blew back up to like 180 within like a day or two. Yep. And so 
I was trying to keep an eye on that, and I did a good job of it. And then the day before, well, it was also hot as <laughs> yeah, hot as hell out there in Ohio, boy. Especially coming from California. I mean, the whole time we were there it was eighty-five to ninety-five degrees plus, however much humidity. So you're waking up sweating, like you're going to bed sweating. You didn't even have to do anything. So the weight cut was like mm-hmm. the the water was coming out no problem, you know. So then the day before. I had a no carb day, um, and I just basically ended up fasting pretty much. I had like, honestly, throughout the day, I think I had like two, two to three hundred calories. <laughs> yeah, so I pretty much fasted basically for like thirty hours before weigh-ins, and then got to weigh-ins and came in at one seventy-four, which was like seventy-nine kilos, um, and then rehydrated and and ate like a madman all day long and then chilled and went and had the meat the next day but that that wilkes you know weighing in light like that really helped me out obviously to jump into second like that yeah because as we mentioned that the there's three guys or four three or four guys who are vying with for that second place with jordan and um and what's cool about and unknown about powerlifting and is, is that during meets, there's a lot of strategy because you have three attempts. You have your opener, your second, and then your third. Uh, you know, your opener, you got to get in because if you don't hit any openers, you'll bomb out, as they say, which means you'll get disqualified. And uh, so you need to hit something. And you have time to change your selections. So, you know, there was these four guys and, uh, you know, try, trying to essentially keep an eye on each other to see the attempts that others doing. And that's where, uh, you know, our coach Scotty was doing for Jordan. He was keeping an eye on the boards, looking at like, all right, where are they at? Where are we at? And then how can we force their hand? Because yeah. if you try to kind of, you know, fuck with somebody or you, you can, you can change an attempt. You can put in your second attempt after your opener and you can change it. Uh, I think it's like five, five, five minutes, minutes before the start of your flight, five minutes before the start of your flight. Um, and oh, no, I'm sorry. That's min- your opener. Yeah. Uh, your second attempt, we changed second attempt like shit. Scott will know because he it was the one that turned it in, but it was probably within two to three minutes before I went. Yeah, out. I think it's because like, it's like three people because each person when you, when you have a flight for powerlifters, each person basically has a minute to do their lift. So each person is essentially a minute. So it's basically when you're about three people out, you can change your second. Yeah. Give or take. Yeah. Um, and so you can put in a number and, you know, the other people are going to see that number and then you can kind of force them to maybe go heavier to kind of keep up. And, you know, hopefully they miss, you know, or they, they struggle or maybe they, maybe they get it, but it's like an uneven lockout with bench or something. So you're basically forcing them to get out of their groove, but right before you go up, you can change it back to what you want. Yeah. And which, you know, and then you, you got yourself a comfortable attempt and then they're stuck doing an attempt that they weren't necessarily planning. So there's lots of strategy in that. <laughs> and it's, it's, uh, it's, it's part of the game. It's like yeah. any sport you have to, yeah. it's, you know, it's like a, it's like you a gotta read, You got to read the field. You know, it's like, you're not, it, that's where you see seasoned lifters come into play and kids that are just new getting into this. Like, I did see quite a few people out there that were for sure new. Like, I was even questioning if it was their first meet, but obviously they need a qualifying total. But 
you could tell they're fresh to the sport and then you can tell when there's seasoned lifters around because you play the board you know strategy comes involved mental comes there's a lot of, there's a lot that you can do on uh, on meet day as far as like how you carry yourself and how you're gonna you know express yourself towards your competition and yeah we we went into nationals knowing it was gonna be a dogfight to the end like the roster changed like three times, but the whole time I knew I was like, yo, this is going to be like, I mean, it's going to be a fight to the end. And then on the day it was 20 pounds separating six through uh, second to sixth place. Oh shit. That's and then now it was close the whole day. Like the whole day was like that. Yeah. Yeah. And then Jawan, like who's uh, Jawan Garrison, he took first. Uh, Shout out to him. That kid was just insanely strong. So nobody was keeping up with him. Yeah. So, and I already knew that we knew that coming into this and I was like, yo, I just want to like, beat myself and beat everybody else like yeah except for juan because like he just was doing his own thing you can't that's the thing you need to understand like i'm the type that's like you know don't uh doubt yourself all that kind of good stuff but at the same time i have to be realistic you know so it's yeah, like i know i'm not gonna compete against you and i'm not even gonna try so I just have to beat myself and everybody else and yeah. get my ass on the podium. Yeah, yeah, he, you know? yeah. He was because I mean he was like he was benching two hundred kilos, which is over four hundred pounds. Yeah, everyone else was in the uh, you know in the three hundred range. Yeah, so and this goes to show. And then yeah. you go down like the opener list, and it's like you're seeing everybody's openers, and it's like two fifteen, two fifteen, two twenty, two twenty two point five, two twenty five, and it's like everybody's within yeah. a couple kilos of each other all day long. Yeah. And I, and I watched it on the live stream and it was just that it was like, you know, one person had 150 kilo on the bar, the next person had 160, like you said, or 166 or for the second attempts, it was just by like be 160, 160 and 164.7 is very close. And, and again, so that's when you, you know, forcing somebody's hand and everybody actually was really overshooting because everyone knew that they had to put up a good number you know, because second, essentially second was the first place for everybody else. Like, Juwan yeah. has had his own thing, and he went in there and, and put up a new, you know, best total for himself, which mm-hmm. is great. And then everybody else was competing against each other. And uh, Yeah, and, and uh, the competition was there for sure. You know, it was it was a healthy flight. It was stacked for sure. I mean, you, gotta, you had to bring your best day. Yeah, it really was. And so um, – so what is so for anyone who doesn't know, tell them the total that you got for second, and then your your list of your attempts. Um, I still need to see what it is officially, like as far as the point eight, you know, what I mean, I mean, I mean point shit. I mean, but it's fourteen. Uh, it's fourteen fifty four. Fourteen fifty four. So I tied my best meat squat of four hundred ninety pounds, um, which moved really well and then we jumped to 501 and based on how seconds moved that should have been in the bag i was strong enough for it hit more than that in training it just came down to some technical issues um so that's all on me and then bench we took 357 or no sorry 352 for my third which was a five pound pr nice little five pound pr um and 
like my last meet before that I took 357, but they like it was red lighted all day long. So that for was, uneven lockout. Yeah, so that was cool to get that 352 in there. That felt good. I know for sure I had I think the second behind Jawan. I think I had this the second strongest bench of the flight. Yeah, you did. The other guys were strong too, but they kept overshooting and they kept and they got red lighted. Yeah, like. Um, there was one other guy who had just as strong of a bench as you. Yeah. Um, he had like kind of the American flag singlet, uh-huh. but he, yeah, he was really strong. He had a really good bench, but he just, he did, he's kind of overshot. Yeah. Um, or he was tired or, I mean, something happened where, cause he, you, your last attempt was, what was one sixty. His last attempt, he tried to play, it was like 166.7 or 170 and uh, he didn't get it. So he just he shot a little bit too much, and you you played yours. You got you and Scott played yours right. Yeah. So, you know, again, it goes back to like forcing their hand. Um, yeah, forcing their hand. You know, season lifters, season coaches. I mean, Scotty's been at that level multiple, multiple times, so he knows how to you know how to handle things. And Scott at this nationals, just so you guys know, Scott handled like I think he had under like ten or eleven people, and he called like. 52 to 53 attempts and 48 of those attempts were spot on. And he was just like, Oh, and then those other five are going to, I'm going to, are going to haunt me until next year. Cause you know, that's just the kind of coach that he is. Um, Yeah. He was busy for sure. All weekend. I give him credit. Um, I've handled multiple lifters on one day and it's not easy by any means. He did it four especially, days in a row. yeah, and especially when you're jumping between platforms, yeah. And he did it four days in a row, so and he had that's females. extremely stressful. Yeah, he had females and males, so I mean, so obviously there's just different types of athletes and different, you know, just you know, and knowing everybody's attempts, knowing their training, knowing what. You want the hit, seeing how they're feeling, yeah. checking in on them. And it's not like but, you're going off of a playbook or something that you can reference. It's it's all, you know, No, you have, to, you have to read and, your athlete. Yeah, you have to read the, the athlete, how the day is going, yeah. make a good judgment call. Uh, and just it's just you just have to be on the whole time. And you have to also know when their flight's going on. You have to time up their warm-ups. Like, like powerlifting is a gnarly sport. Weightlifting too, because they run their meets similar. And people, it's one of those things where it's one of those sports. If you don't understand the ins and outs, the nuances, you may not fully appreciate it. But once you do, you're just like, holy shit, this is a whole other monster. And then it becomes really enjoyable because you know how much effort somebody's thinking and putting into it. And, um, you know, and that's kind of what keeps you around. And so it's like, if you don't understand something, especially, you know, I think sports and people, people really put their time into like, you know, Wikipedia, the rules and, or like, you know, how meets are run. And I think you'll get more of an appreciation for it and it'll open up a new world for you. Um, but yeah, so you, you closed out bench really mm-hmm. well. You, you guys played that strategy, honestly, to a T with bench. And then you guys went into the deadlifts. Yeah. Yeah. So bench went well. And then, so to like backtrack, we had, obviously we had two different flights, but I was on flight. uh, I'm sorry. I was on platform red, uh, flight B and then platform blue. They had like 20 people that didn't make (laughs) weigh-ins. 
Fuck. Which is like sucks. That's so many people not to make it, and then not making weight and bombing out are the two worst things that can happen. Yeah. So then to start out the day, meet director was like, "We may be condensing these guys' flights into three flights since there's not enough people, or or removing people." So we're like, "Okay." And then like 15 minutes later, he comes back and he's like, "Uh, "No, we're not. We're not condensing the flights anymore. It's going to be a four. There's going to be a flight D now on platform blue, and we have three flights on platform red." So when it came down to deadlifts, we're ready to deadlift. Like my whole flight is done. Every, everybody's done. But platform blue is still on like flight B second attempts of bench. So they're like an hour and a half behind us. Yeah, easily. And then just so you guys know, the way the meets work is you have squat, bench, and deadlift in that order. And each event has three attempts. So everybody in the roster gets three attempts and they go down through. So it goes like, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, you know, to first attempt. And they go back to the top for second, back to the top for third. And then you switch to the next lift, do the same thing. So it's time consuming. Yeah. And so I go back into the warm up room and I'm like legit opening my pre-workout, like getting ready to start warming up. And Scott comes over and he's like, yo, uh, go see how much time you have because these guys are not even close to done benching. I'm like, shit. So I go over there, uh, go up to the table and they're like, yeah, you still got like a good hour. So we ended up having to wait all together at least an hour and a half before we could even start warming up for deadlift. So that was, you know, I mean, it was good because it gave you some extra time to get in food and rest and stuff like that. Hydrate. But it was also a long time to be waiting. So, you know, that was kind of, um, people weren't really happy about that, but then we started warming up, you know, and I know, like, I know the type of lifter I am. And Nick mentioned it earlier. Deadlift is my bread and butter. I know that's one thing I can always depend on. And, um, I know like just how I am as a lifter and I know how meets go for me. And I know it really comes together on deadlifts for me so like that's where you need to watch out if you're in a meet with me because i'll make up some serious ground um and we started warming up and it was going good um everything was moving really easy and so we opened with 540 and then jumped up to 578 but the whole time we're watching the board because again, you know, it's it's like okay, this is crunch time now when it comes to deadlifts. It's like you got you only have three more chances to do something big here. So we're watching the I'm watching the board, Scott's watching the board, and I'm looking at it. I'm like, you know, I I need to pull something something big to jump up. And Scott's looking at it, and he's like, okay, you need to make this jump uh, up to. 639 so he's like i'm gonna call 639 and see what everybody does right so we're gonna try to force their hand <laughs> and see and and basically move into second place like that so like yeah not to give all the details and secrets away but yeah that's that's pretty much what we did we we made a big call which is and it's 639 is what i really wanted to hit for nationals anyways but it wasn't it wasn't there it just didn't line up in training so we knew where I was standing. We knew what it was going to take for me to jump up to second. 
Um, and based on what I weighed in at, my Wilkes is what would be the deciding factor when it came down to placing because we knew I would tie for second, but the tiebreaker would come down to the Wilkes. Yeah. So that's when Scott's like, okay, I'm going to call 639, force their hand a little bit, and then change it right at the end, uh, which is what we did. And, you know, and you changed it to 611.8? 611, yeah. And so everybody took their thirds. Um, I believe everyone before me missed. I, I think, think so. I think maybe one person might have gotten a pull before me. And then I jumped. Yeah, so we, we came down to 6.11. And then last I... Last minute. Last minute. <laughs> right before I'm going up. Yeah, and so we're getting ready. Um and I was like, yeah, this is the one, like, this is where we got to, sh- you know, shut it down right now. And like, that's, for me, that's the funnest moment is that, that third pull, like the end of the day, like all the adrenaline, all the excitement, all the nerves, like that's when it's the highest for me. Yeah. Cause I feel like, okay, like, yeah, you're, you're, you're ending the meet, but you need to f- shut this fucking yeah. meat down right now. Like you need to pull something monstrous. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's just I don't know. Like the animal comes out. So uh, yeah, we called six eleven, and as soon as it broke the ground, I knew it. Like I knew it was gonna go, and it was rough. Like it I definitely did, did not have pull. one more pound or one more ounce in me. Yeah, and yeah. it took forever, I, dude. Especially at the uh, lockout. It, yeah, especially the lockout was the longest point. I think like, at some point we should like watch it and time it. I, I bet you it was <laughs> at least. Uh, 15 to 20 seconds. Oh, shit. Yeah, and, but it felt like forever. It, I mean, it ripped off the floor. So, like, when I watched, I watched it live. I was at Ironmonger's Gym down in Vista, California. Shout out to those guys. And then I was uh, I was watching it there in the middle of my workout on my phone. And so we're there, and I'm watching it. And his – Jay's second – Moved faster than his opener. His opener was good. Yeah, and he so smoked good. his second. Like, he smoked Damn. that five seventy. <laughs> like it was just. I mean, he ate it. Five seventy eight. And crazy. yeah, like it, he he might as well take a nap. And then he goes up and he for his third that six eleven he broke that ground so fast, got it two and above the knees. And usually for he's a conventional puller, conventional you get stuck at your knees. He got it. Broke the ground fast, got it above his knees, and then the longest part actually was his mid-thigh to lock out, getting his shoulders and his hips lined up, was the longest part of that pull. But literally from breaking ground to mid-quad was lightning, and then he just, you know, he just had a fucking fight for that last lockout, and... I was watching it. My friends, they were, you know, I told them like, "Oh, it's his last pool," and they're, and I'm holding the phone in the middle of the gym, and everyone's <laughs> watching it. And I know for like um, back at our gym, people were watching it on the TV, and, and I'm pretty sure we all had a collective like, "Fucking lock it, just <laughs> yeah, yeah. finish it. Yeah. It's there." And and yeah, that that energy was there, especially when you know someone's been working so hard for so long to hit something like that. And, uh, yeah, and especially when you need it, because like you said, he, he missed his third squat, which he did have. He had squatted, uh, you know, he, you, he did, he doubled like five or d- triple double. No, it was double. He, I spotted him in training for five Oh five for a double, yeah. which was, which was rough. Cause he was in a deficit, but he did uh-huh. it. And then he did, you did, did five twenty five for a single, for a single, which eating right. Yeah. I actually moved better than the five Oh five. Yeah. So it was there and, but you know, yeah. things happen, yeah. whatever. 
So come to really come back for that and just fucking smoke and like you said, just close down that like yeah, yeah. And Scott, like I knew it too. And Scott's like, you know, he even told me he's like, you got to fucking get this right now. Like, yeah, you have no option. And that's what, like I, I respond pretty well to that type of you know yeah talking. And I and yeah. I knew that. And he's like, you know, like and he made a, a, the perfect call for that and um, said yeah, all that. the right things. You know, I couldn't have had a better better coach better handler by my side that day and uh yeah it's like if you want a fighting chance pretty much you need this pull yeah and, and that's just and that's what it's about like just like just all the nerves like you said and just you have that energy and then you're able to just transfer transfer all that energy into actual physical kinetic willpower to fucking break you know break that and lock out a huge lift like that and you know 611 is is a lot and just the meet before this, the one that me and our friend Eli handled him on, we we kind of had to twist his arm to actually pull 600 for the first time. Yeah. So he had only done 600. Uh, I had only done 585 prior to that. Yeah. So his last meet, which was in March, he finally pulled six because, uh, you know, me again, yeah. me and our buddy Eli were like, no, you have that. He was having a pretty good meet too that day. You know, but he and he didn't get his third bench because the uneven lockout. And yeah. we were like, nah, man, you have that six. <laughs> and he, and same thing, same thing. He closed that shit down and he had the biggest reaction. The whole gym went crazy uh, for, you know, for him just fucking locking that out. So to go from your last meet, you finally break six and then to be able to then lock out that huge pull, 611, which at that weight, 11 pounds more is a, is a fuck time. He definitely was, you know, and like, I was reflecting on it and I was like, I kind of understand now when like some, some bigger guys like um, Brandon Allen or Andy Huang, when they, when they say like, I just want a two and a half kilo PR, like, like I get it. Like, yeah, you're getting to a point where it's becoming like, so, you know, you're so elite that it's like, because normally before this I would get, you know, huge PRs, but it's like, you know, so I can appreciate where they're coming from with that, even though it wasn't a huge day. A PR is a PR no matter what, especially on the platform where it counts. And, like, my second poll, I think, or my first or my second poll, I forget. Um, Scott's like, your shoulders were, like, a little rolled forward. So he's like, make sure, you know. And I've, I've never gotten called for roll, um, soft shoulders, but like I noticed they were a little bit like that. Maybe it was my posture or whatever. So, like, when it came to that 611, that damn lockout was just so it took forever and then when i finally got it locked out i like that final like three inches where you're yeah. just like right in that pocket and i had to make sure just everything clicked like yeah. if you look at the video like no no yeah you do you, you straight up uh rooster rooster we just popped out of your chest and just yeah put, like put, push your chin i was like out, everything like, i'm not letting them call me on anything, anything right yeah <laughs> And then I feel like even after I saw the judge give the down command for him to put it down, I feel like you just you extraly like kind of just locked it and flexed it. Yeah. And then you put it yeah, down. Yeah. Just like one extra like period. Uh-huh. I held it for a second, and um, it was it felt like forever though because on my four ninety squat, I also like locked the crap out of my knees. Yeah. Like not really purposely, but I did, and so I noticed like my right quad was like getting tight. Like it was going to cramp up. So uh, when I was on, when I was at that six eleven, and I finally got it locked out, I'm like, 
it felt like my my quad was about to cramp at any moment. You're so like, I'm like, please down. just tell me down. Please yeah, like, down. let's go already. <laughs> like, let's, and then I do this. And then I freaking drop it and done. And then he gave me three wides. So like, thank yeah. God. You know, and th- those commands, a lot of people fuck up. So, again, for those who don't know, with Harley, each lift has its own set of commands by the ref. So you don't just lift. You know, for for squat, they'll give you they give you the go ahead to to unrack and you step back and you have to wait and then they say squat and then you squat and then you come back up. And you have to hold it and then they'll tell you rack and then you can rack it. For bench, they'll say start and then you deposit on your chest and then you they say press and then you have to press it and then hold it and then they say rack and then for finally deadlift. You, you pull, and once you lock out, you have to wait for them to tell you to put it down. They'll say down. So if you jump any of those commands, um, it's automatic. Just it's You know you don't get the lift. Yeah. So it's very, yeah. Yeah, you got you to gotta listen to your commands. That's, that's like the one thing that people mess up most frequently. Yeah. And, you know, and they don't practice it, or perhaps if they do practice it, their gym partners aren't honest with them. And they yeah. give them like, again, like the, the bench, you pause on your chest and then you say press and, you know, maybe they're, you know, their homie, you know, they touch the chest and their homies just give them an automatic press, you know, and. Yeah. Or they're yeah. going to, going to feed them some shit. Oh yeah, it looks good. But, but really no, like your, your ass came up, but you're just being too nice and you don't want to say anything. Yeah. And you know, and but that doesn't help anybody. No, you know, it doesn't. especially in our in our sport, where you know, one thing I you know I you know I love about uh, strength sports, especially with iron weightlifting and powerlifting, you either lift it or you don't. But even more so, it's you can lift it, but it's how did you lift it? Did you lift it well or was it shitty? Yeah. Could you do it with control with the yeah. commands? How clean was it? Or did you just you just you just kind of muscled it through? It's like yeah, you got it, but. How efficient, was How efficient was it? Like, did you master it or did you just barely get it? Yeah. And that's, that's the difference. Um, and, and, and that's what people don't understand. Like it's people, especially with piloting was like, you know, Oh, don't, don't hurt your back. <laughs> yeah. Don't hurt. Don't, don't do this. It's like, like, bitch, I, I'm trying to not just lift this way. I'm trying to master this weight as and make it my bitch. And it's, I'm not, I'm not letting it hurt anything. Like that's, there's so much technique and time that goes into being able to control it that it's not, it's not an option. You know, it's just not an option to, to do that. And so that's what makes it uh, even extra fun. Um, and so, yeah. And so with that, you know, Jay, he locked out his six eleven, and because of what him and our coach Scotty had talked about earlier about weighing in lighter, he weighed in lighter, which gives him a couple more points on the Wilkes. You know, he was able to pull a second because, you know, on a basically a three way tie or a two way tie, the way that that tiebreaker is, is who has the highest Wilkes. And because he weighed in lighter of anybody in that class in his, in our, because in the 83 or the 181 division, those couple extra points allowed him to secure that second. So, Two months back, like, hey, you should maybe weigh in a little lighter, going through prep, weighing in a little bit lighter, and then playing the board, hitting what you need to hit when you need to hit it. So that way, when it counts, that little extra, you know, and you bring home, you know, a podium on a huge scale. Yeah. It's like all those little things, you know, literally went into that. Had you not weighed in lighter, you might not have got second. No, no, I wouldn't have. Um 
Yeah, it all it all plays a big factor, especially the kid that I went up against. He just he just weighed in at one eighty, but he was strong. Like I was like the old man on the platform. My girl told me. Really? <laughs> like you were, were you the oldest like, one? Pretty much. I mean, like I think everybody else was like twenty three, twenty four. Um. So yeah, like these Always they're happens. strong young kids, you know. But um, yeah, like he weighed in at one eighty. Um, I don't even know what his Wilkes was to be honest with you. Um, I know we totaled the same. He had like pretty much the same numbers as me, but yeah, it came down to that Wilkes. Yeah, and and that's that's why we have it. And you know, it's to quote, you know, probably one of the wisest, most poetic people of our generation, Mr. Vin Diesel in Fast and the Furious. Whether you you win by an inch, you win by a mile. Winning, winning is winning. winning. <laughs> <laughs> you can have any beer you want as long yeah. as it's a Corona. That, that's, yeah. <laughs> that was the first time I've, I've been in a split decision like that too when it comes to a tiebreaker. So yeah, that was that was kind of fun. Yeah, it is. You know, and so um, no way. You know. Well, so now we can actually, there's a couple of things I want to talk with you about and we were trying to get Sky on the line, but then he got pulled away and but that's, you know, that's okay. We'll get him on next time in is, uh, programming. There's one thing that you and I talked about. You, you started on your own too. Yeah. And, you know, obviously, uh, that's why we wanted to have, try to have Scott on because his, his not, I mean, I'm a nerd when it comes to programming. I love that shit, but he's even, you know, he's, he has a few years on me on that. Yeah. But there are different types of programming, different types of block of programming. So I want to ask you, when you started, what kind of programming were you doing? I know you had got a coach also down in Long Beach. What mm-hmm. kind did they have you do? And how does that compare to now? And um, what do you think, uh, you know, what do you, what do you think is good for a beginner and then someone moving in maybe even to inter- intermediate? Um. So, like, the first coach I had, um, I, I sort of had two to begin with. Like, um, Bulo was coaching me, and then – well, he was coaching me and Randy, actually. And then uh, he put me into, in touch with his coach, who's a lady named Liz Friel, who, if you're not familiar with, you need to get familiar. She's uh, in the USPA Hall of Fame. She's, She's a monster. A, um, international elite single ply, multi ply lifter, but she is also battling breast cancer at the same time, and she still competes. <laughs> so, yeah, she's this a legend in the sport. Right? Yeah, and uh, so I was very um, fortunate to get trained by her and um, coached by her when I was first starting out, which it wasn't super frequently, but it was like we were going out on Long Beach twice a month and. Um, so some of it was sort of like kind of West Side style. Like we would do, we'd have a, on our squat day, uh, every week after your squat day, you would take a heavy high box. And so uh, I would high box like fucking seven plates and thought it was, <laughs> I thought I was like gnarly, right? But then yeah. we, I could never hit anything close to that with a real squat. Yeah. And then we'd have like a speed bench day and... Um, and then just a regular, you know, whatever deadlift day. And it was good. Obviously, I also had the beginner gains, too, coming along. So I I did pretty well from that. Like, the first meet I ever did was a deadlift-only meet, and then I took third at that. And then through um, them coaching me down there, my first full power meet I won, 
Um, and then after that, like I was, we kind of, um, sort of went different ways, I guess. And so me and Randy, which was my first training partner, which was also getting coached by them too. Me and him were kind of like, uh, shit, what do we do now? Yeah. And so we like started running like standalone programs and like, uh, one of the first ones I think I really ran was like a, the Larry Wills program when he was all 1999 link in the bio every five, every five times a day on his posts. Um, yeah. yeah. So you're so really the first with Liz, you were right. was essentially a conjugate derivative. Sort of. Yeah. Like it was, it was the, yeah, like conjugate derivative. You would still like, you'd have a heavy day and then like we'd have a heavy squat, but then as an accessory, you would do like heavy high box. Yeah. And then you'd have like a regular bench day, but then on Friday you'd have like a speed bench day. Yep. And then you, on deadlifts, like you'd have your regular deadlift. And then normally every week we would do uh block pulls, heavy block pulls. Yep. And then like on your bench day, we'd have your regular bench. And then you normally every week we would overload, like hit overloads with a bench block or a slinger. And then, yeah, on Fridays would be your speed bench day. And it was like nothing over 60% with chains. Um, and I personally really like speed bench. I, th- yeah. I feel like speed bench is very effective. Personally, it worked really well for me. I've had a lot of people ask me how I got so explosive. I'm pretty explosive in general. Yeah. But with my bench, that's one thing that I would recommend. Um, I prefer bands personally. Um, I just like the feel of it. But yeah, Try not to go over like 60% and it's like triples, time triples yeah. for like 90 second rest yeah. intervals. And then you can, you know, you can get real west side with it and change your grip every set if you want. Yeah, that's what but, I, it's obvious when, when I had my conjugate style programming. Yeah, but the thing I see that 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 is so contradicting to me is people go way too heavy on a speed day. Yeah, on a speed bench day, it's like you're you're just completely be- defeating the purpose here. Yeah, and so for those who don't know, so conjugate is a style of training which was developed from the West Side Barbell Method, and now you have lots of people who kind of do some you know derivatives of that. Um, but essentially, conjugate meaning that you're doing multiple uh, variations in conjugation with each other. Like so, like Jay was saying, you do a speed bench day that's lighter. Um, but with like chains, which, you know, a little bit of a variation. And then you go into like a, a heavier squat day and then you have your heavy bench day. And then you have maybe a more of a speed squat day or like a a variation day with like the high box or a lower box. So you do do every week you're doing something different, but yet it's the same, uh, to focus on different points. So that's conjugate and conjugate. Well, in a, in a very small nutshell, it's a very, um, you know, a way to, to do the same differently, um, in very, and there's that. And then there is more standard linear periodization, which is more of a percents where, you know, you do 60% one week, 70% the next week, 80% the next week. Um, and then you have, there's also DUP, which is daily undulating programming, which is actually kind of cool. I've done, uh, some variation of that before, um, and so those are usually your main types of lifting programming that you see, uh, and is, is conjugate peri- linear periodization and then, uh, daily undulating program. Most programs will run and you can, you know, some programs can overlap, can be like two out of three, 
uh, of those usually, you know, not all three, but you know, so whenever you get a programming, like a good form of programming, it's going to be some variation of one of those three programs. Um, yeah. yeah, I feel like we, like with Scott, who runs us now, we kind of have a mix between linear periodization and a little bit of of DUP, and then he gives us, you know, uh, a you know a, a whipped cream dollop of conjugate because we will have some like variation uh, back downs or like a variation day that we do. Um, so he, and, you know, and he, he changes it for, for, I think for both of us because yeah. he makes it per person. It's not just a template. Yeah. And it's similar, so, but it's also different. Yeah. It's like similar schedule, but the actual movements, the reps and those specialty variations differs from each of his people that he works with. Um, so if you're beginning, so like in the very first episode, I gave people four like free, good standardized, uh, programs to help them build. So I gave them five by five, like the starting strength, Texas method, five, three, one, which multiple people, uh, really good lifters that I've interviewed so far all said that they either started on, or it's a really good starting point. Uh, pH three, which is more of like a intermediate beginner to intermediate lifting program that can run to advance and then um power to the people which is uh, i don't know if you've ever heard about that mm-hmm. there's a guy named pavel tatsulin he's the he created the company strong first so power to the people is a deadlift and a uh in a press program so you alternate between bench and an overhead press yeah. either overhead press with like a kettlebell or an overhead press with like a barbell but that's yeah. it it's just a deadlift, it's a pull, and a press. Huh. You do just those two, and I believe, okay. yeah, you just do – so basically you overly specialize in just those two, and you do five days a week, and it, like, gears in a car, you, like, you work up to, like, um, you know, 80, and then you back – and then you have some back-down sets. And the next day you work up to, like, 85 with some back-down sets. And then the next day you work up to like 85 again with a little bit more back down sets. And then the last two days you work up to like 90 and then uh, less back down sets. And then like 90 plus you try to go for a PR at the end of the week, mm-hmm. less back down sets. And then you have your days off and then it would restart kind of again. And so the idea is that you, and it's never one rep. It's always like a two rep or three rep kind of 90%. Yeah. Um, maybe mm, sometimes a double. And then you work up to your last maybe third or fourth week of each block, you, you go for the single. So the idea is that the the frequent you greet what they call grease the groove. So it's a very simplistic like deadlift and press. Yeah. Um, and it could be it could be applied to squat in press uh, also, but it's basically yeah, it's just those two movements. So it's it's uber efficient and minimalist. And so those were the four um, like basic ones that I had like suggested to people. I've <clears throat> Yeah, yeah, I know. I've I've ran like quite a few standalone programs too. Like for an extremely novice beginner, or something there are decent ones out there for people to look into. Um, like I've ran the Larry Wills program. Um, I've ran Ed Cohn's deadlift program. I have ran uh, the hybrid Steffi Cohn's program. I uh, did that for. I actually did that for that March meet that you and Eli handled. That's before. right. I remember you did. Yeah, I remember Steffi's that. program. Um, I was recently running the Juggernaut AI program. That's pretty good. Yep. So 
I've had results from all of them. Um, and some, some pretty impressive results, I'll say that. But you're lacking the one-on-one um, coaching, feedback, feedback you know, yeah. technique-wise every day. They do, like, hybrid and uh, juggernaut. They have, like, an open Facebook. And you can go and get help there. And, like, sometimes, like, Steffi or Chad or people will, like, um, give you tips and stuff like that. So you can get some feedback that way. But, again, it's still not very hands-on. But if it's if it's economical, yeah, it's very economical. That's that's the thing, you know. That's the deciding factor for people. Like the cheapest way possible, you know, for for somebody that can't maybe afford one hundred fifty dollars a month because it's not cheap. Like you know, especially if you have bills and family and all that type of stuff, and you want to get into powerlifting. Yeah. So it's a good alternative, but I would absolutely recommend somebody starting off to start off with a coach start off the right way because you're going to be starting off on the right foot from day one yeah you know you're going to be getting that feedback that that technique you know changes um the knowledge yeah i i also think like you can also for someone who's like really starting out like you know like they're brand new to lifting completely brand new to lifting Uh you know um to either like have someone maybe like you know like if you know if you're just starting out and you go and you see like Jordan, like you could like throw Jordan, you know, and using Jordan, it could be anyone that you know who maybe is nice, you know, is someone who seems cool, but obviously knows what they're doing. Like throw them like 50 bucks, have them like teach you the basics of the lifts. And then you could run one of those economic programs, build some foundational strength, just like build that, that habit. So you know how to train, you have some success of doing maybe like eight weeks, like we're just running a program consistently then I think you you'd even you actually like hire a coach and then you have kind of a base and that coach can really fine tune you and fix your habits and um you know and I that you know if you're serious because if you do eight weeks of like being consistent for eight weeks on a program then uh, by yourself once you have a coach and you've done that once you have a coach you'll be it's actually easier having a coach is way more fun and there's a lot more accountability and it's easier to stay. Uh, consistent um but you have to prove to yourself you can you can do that and you want to do that first before you invest the money in like someone of a high caliber i think yeah um build that foundation yeah build yeah build a foundation and then also um angelo fortina who was on the last uh episode that recorded he made a great point that all programs that are complete programs work it's just about consistency like staying consistent like they all will work. It's why, you know, you know, you got results on yours. Of course, it's how, again, having eyes on you, having that one-on-one feedback will make it more effective. Yeah. But it really, at the end of the day, does come down to consistency. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, did you follow through your program or did you skip a set or did you skip a rep? Yeah. Did you do your accessory? Yeah. Like all that stuff plays a big role into it. Yeah, and especially – um, you know, did you get into the gym? If you have a program that's called for four days a week, but you only got in two to three and you kept, you know, like that, it doesn't work. You should have got a program that is meant for like three days and ran that yeah. because, you know, those programs are designed to be certain ways. Um, and you know, that's, that's how you go about doing it. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so hopefully, you know, people, you know, take something from that take, um, you know, do, you know, do your, do your research, know that programs will work. Just got to find one that 
you you know that you maybe you like and fits your schedule stay consistent with it and then when it's time to get a coach you know do you know look at their athletes like how do how are their athletes what kind of caliber of people do they do they produce and you know what's said about them and you know find and it's okay if you find sometimes you find ones that don't mesh and you guys you know are different and that's okay and you know you look and you find one that that does and so there's, there's nothing wrong with you if that happens yeah that's that's the biggest deciding factor when it comes to me like what is <clears throat> what results can you show like what what are your athletes doing you know are you like you have some world class lifters well okay now now you got my attention you know yeah you know or or do you have some lifters that are up and coming and mm-hmm. have the potential and you look at those lifters and where they started and they didn't they started very like humbly and you're like oh wow you you uh you, you've taken this person and you've molded them to be to like where everybody can be like oh yeah they're they're up and coming you can see that they yeah. they're gaining momentum yeah you know i think that's something that that people should um you know could put into consideration is not so much about is your coach strong or or what have they done it's no, it's what are what are their clients doing and what are their athletes doing and what what kind of results are they getting? Yeah, because it's cool if your coach is strong, but you know, but the strongest athletes don't make always make the good best coaches. Like, like, hundred percent bottom line. Like, just because someone is good at something doesn't mean they can teach it well. Teaching is a skill. Coaching is an even more nuanced skill. And some people can just do. You know, some people who are really natural um, lifters like they're just naturally strong or actually really shitty coaches because they don't actually have to, th- I mean, think about their technique as hard. Yeah. You know, like, you know, like me, I'm in, and I'm, I'm so not natural at uh, benching and squatting that I try to read and ask questions and listen, you know, to as many you know, technical things as I can. And um, I have like a, a friend of mine who lives down in San Diego, who is just a natural bencher. And if I try to talk bench with him, he's just like, oh, I don't know. You know, he's like, yeah, you know, I just, I just, he's kind of do it. And like, yeah, yeah. It's just, you know, it's just fine. It's just and he can just, him. and he can just do that. And, um, and I'm just like, okay, you don't think about pulling your shoulder base together at all. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, like, I'm, I'm fine. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it comes down to, you know, how much thought do you put into stuff to actually make something effective? And yeah, and you learn. see, there's like there's there are elite level athletes that don't know shit coaching wise. Like, yeah, excuse my French, but it's true. Like, and you'll see it, and their toolbox is like minimal. Yeah, they, they just tell you, oh, here's what I do. Yeah, and okay, it's like, why? No, that, that's, that's <laughs> not. It doesn't work for it. It's not yeah. a one size fits all type of thing. Yeah, like like maybe you're like, oh, I do this with my bench. It's like, okay, well, you have short arms and a huge chest, and I'm you know, and I'm a I'm a draft person. Like, like that's not going to work. For yeah. Me. Like uh, yeah, you I'm need not... to understand different body mechanics and leverages for all types of people. If you're trying to be a good coach, like you can't just conform to one, one specific, you know, thing. Yeah. And then that's it. Yeah. Or like you try to, they try to, some, they'll try just to make you into do what they do. Like, well, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. I, I, yeah. I put, I put the do it this do way it, and I, I'm, I stand really wide <laughs> and uh, just, you know, do that. Yeah. It's like, yeah, that's all right. Cool. Thanks. That's totally going to help me. Um, so, you know, it just goes, it just goes to show that, you know, just because someone is good at what they do and that's great. Doesn't mean they can help you. And it's about finding somebody who can. And, you know, if you find a coach who's strong 
and is a good coach, then jackpot. You know, money. Yeah, that's what you should be looking for. Yeah, and for the most part, I feel like really high caliber coaches. If you actually look at like who they produce, like Scott, um, you know, uh, Garrett, um, Jaffe, Jaffe, Trevor Jaffe, and and um, um, Stacy Burr. Like you see the people that they coach. They they don't just try to make them into them, and they produce great athletes. Yeah, and, and you see it in a good coach. Like a good coach, like genuinely wants to teach you and wants to you know give you the tools to get better um rather than just charge you and give you a program yeah so that's that's just a template you know which is fine if you just want a template but just know what you're getting i think uh garrett fierce had a really good point i saw the other day Uh, if you don't follow garrett you should follow him he said that your coaching's like pricing should reflect what they do it's like you you know if you you give them 30 40 bucks for a template and like that's it cool that's fine if you know if you're paying them 150 dollars for just like a template and they don't talk to you and work with you, that's not fine. Like you should, you know, they, you know, it's either, it's either they are a part of your training or they're not. And either way is fine, but just make sure that it's like fair and make sure that you get you're treated well and that they actually give a shit about you. Yeah. So, uh, all right. Well, I think we've been going for a little over an hour now. Um, you know, so. I'm glad to finally have Jordan on the show and for us to be, you know, co-hosting in full force. And I think we're going to have lots of fun and, you know, do big things. And thanks to everyone who's been listening. Yeah, yeah it'll be fun. You know, we'll, like I said, we'll get strong men, we'll get weightlifters, we'll get other yeah. people. And yeah, guys, this is my first podcast. So sorry if I sound like a rambling idiot. I mean, it's a podcast. I think the definition is that you just ramble. <laughs> you ramble and, and discuss shit but you know it's it's sharing information if people learn uh you know get something out of it and you know we could provide a resource that we wish we had and help people not make our mistakes then yeah that's, that's a win yeah big time yeah really big time so um yeah and next time we'll definitely uh we'll get mr scott miller on and pick his brain because he'll have lots of shit to share and and yeah So thank you guys for tuning in once again. uh, I'm Nicholas and Jordan. JB. JB on the Instas. And thank you for tuning in to the Nerds Who Live podcast.